Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app slash breadbox. One, two, three, listen. Welcome to the Shoot the Shiitake podcast with me, Father Leo Padalinka, a Catholic priest on a mission to bring people of all different backgrounds together, to learn, to love, and accept one another. Even if we disagree, we got to be willing to listen to each other as God does with us and as God intends for us to do. And this podcast isn't about the deep technical things of faith or spirituality, but rather how to make it real and practical simply by listening to each other. And this week, we've got a special guest, Jeremy Wayne Tate. He is a founder of the Classic Learning Initiatives, teaching people in the Western education system system, not just how to be smart, but how to also be virtuous, which comes from classical education. So if you've got kids, parents, you need to really pay attention to this show to make sure that your kids grow up the way you want them to grow up. And so if you like what you hear and want to support our initiatives, just simply go to platinggrace.com click on the academy where you can select to be a tier member that not only helps us but it also gives you access to an online content with amazing content really and a community support your faith as well as some special perks so for now i just want you to enjoy this deep dish discussion with me and jeremy tate as we shoot the shiitake And welcome back to Shoot the Shiitake with me, Father Leo, for a deep dish discussion. So glad to have you, Jeremy. Thanks for joining us online here as we talk about education. First of all, tell me, what exactly is CLI? Father, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, CLI is really a parent company to uh, what's called the Classic Learning Test, which is an alternative to the SAT and ACT. And I always say at the beginning, when people hear that, they might think, man, what could be more boring than hearing uh, somebody talk about a test? Um, but it's actually really interesting. The story behind the SAT and ACT is fascinating and how they influence American education is really shocking. Well, I kind of hated it, actually, growing up and fearing it. I don't know if I did great or not. I know, what is that perfect score again? Was it 1,500 or something like you know, that? It was 1,600 when you took it, and then okay. it changed to 24, and now it's back to 1,600. Okay, so 
I didn't get 1,600, right? I'm glad that I broke 1,000, right? And, I, and it's not because I'm a bad tester and I'm not stupid. It's just I don't quite – I didn't know how to prepare for it. And I know that kids went to camps to prepare for it. So yeah. tell me a little bit about the history of SATs because I know that it gives people the heebie-jeebies and the freakouts. Yeah, it's a really interesting history. It actually starts in World War One, And so a test was developed in World War One, essentially that was going to give the government the ability to quickly distinguish between people they wanted to put on the front lines and people they were going to have back in intelligence. Uh, so you talk about high stakes testing. It doesn't get any more high stakes than that. But that concept and the idea there was to have a purely cognitive test that would only test smartness, uh, that evolved into the SAT in 1926. Um, and the SAT really was not a big, well-known name until after World War II when the GI Bill allowed for there to be far more applicants to colleges than there were seats available. Okay. And so this idea of getting the best and the brightest, that sounds a little, I don't know, exclusive. You know, it does, but there's also something kind of noble about what the SAT and College Board was doing early on, because, you know, before the SAT, it was all about who you knew. You know, you were in the New England establishment, you were connected to the right people at Yale and at Harvard. The SAT came in and they were, they were saying, look, we can tell the greatest minds in America with one test, uh, and we're going to weigh that over somebody's connections. And so I think there also was something really right and good about kind of the early, the origins of the SAT. Yeah, I mean, gosh, even communism has a nugget of truth in it. It just kind of spins <laughs> out and devolves into a horrific yeah. life for everybody under it. But where did it go wrong for the SATs and why are we starting Boy. with CLI? Yeah, yeah. So, so the SAT, you know, we, in education, few educators push back on this concept that high stakes testing tends to drive mainstream curriculum. The tests dictate what gets taught. Um, and so College Board, who owns the SAT, really starting in the 70s, 80s, and 90s as, as test prep industry grew up, their power and influence over American education, this is when the AP courses were becoming popular as well as the PSAT, their power and influence over American education started to just grow and grow and grow to the point where you could go into a Catholic school, you know, by the early 90s or, or 2000s, and how do they measure their success? Well, their PSAT scores, their SAT scores, and their AP scores. All metrics put in place by uh, an educational organization that has become increasingly uh, aggressively secular. Uh, what I mean by that, CLT did an audit uh, of college board source material, um, and they censor any Catholic uh, thinker, what we found, uh, entirely on the grounds of sensitivity. Uh, and so to have somebody reading the greatest minds in history. Yeah. yeah. Give me an example of that, because I'm trying to figure out how education and I mean, of course, how, how that might have been a bias against Catholic education. Or yeah. Catholic so it's almost like you can't make this stuff up. So so College Board, who owns the SAT, they have what's called a sensitivity committee. And every test has to go before a sensitivity committee to check for bias, which sounds fair. But it's, it's said to be biased if a text contains, you know, Catholic or Christian source material, that that unfairly favors Catholic or Christian students, but that it could also make other students feel uncomfortable. So what you end up with is that the, the most powerful, influential education organization in America censors the entire Christian Catholic intellectual tradition completely. And so... So that, that influences what happens in Catholic schools around the country, right? 
is this philosophy important? Well, yeah, but it's not going to be on the SAT. Are these religi religious texts important? Yeah, but they're not going to be on the SAT, right? I get it. Curriculum over time steers to what's going to be on the SAT. So the idea with the CLT was instead of putting these very bland, often PC texts, and they're not always PC. They often, there's Bernie Sanders was on the SAT last summer. Um, they often, it's, it's blatant political kind of indoctrination. The idea with CLT is, well, what if we put the best of what has been thought and said in front of students? What if we put Chesterton and C.S. Lewis and Flannery O'Connor and these giants in front of students and kind of redeemed this wasted time that students currently experience? Yeah, no, education is a complete mess right now, and you use the word indoctrination. Tell me, from a classic point of view, because we haven't even jumped into the classics yet, what exactly do you or how do you define indoctrination? Well, I think indoctrination, the way we talk about it in the current context, only exists because there's currently a void. And so I think everyone from Plato, the, the ancient Judaism, all the way through Martin Luther King Jr., the vision of education was that the basic purpose was always the cultivation of virtue. Uh, it was always in, in Catholics, you know, maybe we would call this sanctification or in the Christian tradition, uh, but it was always about the cultivation of virtue becoming fundamentally more human. Um, and that was really lost with the advent of progressive, modern, secular uh, kind of um, factory schooling, where the ends were entirely utilitarian of making people employable rather than making them saints. Um, and so the problem initially started with a new goal in education that is very much divorced from the Catholic tradition of why we even do education in the first place. Yeah, but a lot of people still look to the Catholic Church as probably the best example of education. That's why there's debates about school choice. But you're suggesting that the SATs almost influence what Catholic schools are going to be teaching. And therefore, a lot of Catholic schools aren't teaching classics, aren't teaching virtue-based education. Yeah, that's right. But I think that that's starting to change, actually. I think CLT may be a small part of why that's starting to change. And so our argument is, look, instead of, of, of the public school arena, so College Board and ACT, these two main tests, they're both now Common Core aligned. And so just, just to give you the one-minute background, what even is Common Core? So the, the Common Core National Standards for Academic Readiness, uh, the guy who spearheaded Common Core, David Coleman, is now the CEO of the College Board. And so the guy who comes up with the Common Core, and so why did they do this? Essentially because College Board, their main play right now is, is contracting with states to require all public school students to take the PSAT or SAT as a graduation requirement. And they're no longer optional for most students. And so um, the influence of them is continuing to grow. And so our argument at CLT is, look, why are we allowing basically public school standards to set the measure of excellence in Catholic schools. Shouldn't Catholic schools, or at least the classical tradition, be setting a, a measure of excellence all on its own that then becomes kind of the new gold standard? Uh, and that's what CLT is trying to do. Can students come in and read and understand great philosophy? Can they read and understand classical literature? Can they read and understand great religious texts? Well, what's the point of it? If it's not going to help them get a job, a lot of people will ask that question about philosophers and, and, and anyone who's dealing with the classics. I mean, what does that do for a student ultimately? 
Yeah, you know, I, I see it a lot as an employer. And so CLT is headquartered in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, we're right by St. John's College. And St. John's is this weird little college where all they do, there's no majors. You just read the great books. It's just a deep dive into the Western intellectual tradition. So you would think these people wouldn't make great employees, but they make the very, very best employees imaginable, especially at a startup, you know, where you have a new problem and somebody says, hey, what do we do for this? And you say, we've never encountered that before come up with a plan, come up with a procedure, come up with how we deal with that. Um, those, those students that have had an education in the classics, um, they have a perspective on their own culture and time and history uh, in a way a student that is only educated to study their own period can have. And also really, you know, the classics are, are classic because they, they stood the test of time. Uh, I think of, of something like even Cinderella, you know, a story that's thousands of years old, you know, and it was remembered, it was passed down by each generation when other stories were forgotten because it was objectively better. These are the stories that shaped the human heart to be greater than we would be without them. Okay, so you're just using those terms objectively better. So in education, what is objectively the goal of education? Yeah, so I would argue the, the objective goal of education is to make, in a Catholic context, of course, is to make people saints. Uh, well, what about not Catholic context? What about just in general? Because you don't have to be a Catholic to study yeah. the classics. Yeah, I think the goal of education is fundamentally to make people more human, uh, more empathetic, more gracious. Uh, I think this has always been the goal. You know, Plato put it this way, that the object of education is to learn to love what is beautiful. In fact, Father, I think you'll love this. When I was still in the public school arena, the very first day of school, my students probably thought I was crazy, but, but I would start off class in the first day, and it was like a history class, say, what's the point of school? Why are we here? And they would kind of say, well, to get a better job, ultimately, that's why we're here. And then I would write on the chalkboard, the object of education is to learn to love what is beautiful. And the kids were like, what does that even mean? You know, this, yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this whole concept of shaping the affections to love the right things that will ultimately bring us lasting happiness. You know, this has really been lost, I think, in mainstream education. Is this the problem that we're experiencing now when you have kids who are paying top dollar and going to very expensive colleges and they have, <laughs> and, and they get a job bartending, even though their background is economics and now they're leading policy. I mean, I, I, I have to, I'm just gonna say it. I'm critiquing education because I'm looking at the political leaders that are coming yeah. out and I'm seeing movement after movement of kids who just look like they have received the most expensive education, but they are dumber than dumb. They yeah. have zero critical thinking skills, excuse my French, but they are dumb as faithless yeah. individuals. It's really bad right now. This is not from a, a, any kind of a conservative or a biased source. Oh, go ahead. Don't be afraid. Okay. I don't even care. So, this is NBC. NBC did their own poll and they determined that two thirds of Americans cannot pass the United States citizenship test. Two thirds, right? Um, and the problem is not just the fact that we don't know basic facts. Two thirds also cannot tell you how many branches of government they are or name them. Right. Sure. The problem is that we're totally removed from the kind of education that was so formative to America's founders uh, and how they understood the world and how well, they that's interesting. government. Just, I'm sorry for jumping in, but 
explain that one more time because people think that the framers and the founders of our our country were just kind of stupid and irrelevant and that we need to kind of create a whole new system, a whole new oh, world. It's, it's amazing. I mean, these were, and, and granted, these are, these are all white men. These are some of the most red uh, figures in history that you could ever find. Thomas Jefferson, by the age of 12, he's reading in French, German, Latin, Greek, has a command of world history at 12. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was by the time he was an adult, people who listened to Jefferson talk, I remember one quote about him that said, if you heard him talk about agriculture, you thought he was a farmer. You heard him talk about medicine, you thought he was a doctor. Uh, He was a Renaissance man. He was a generalist. Uh, Mainstream education today wants to specialize people. Um, The founders thought about political theory. They thought about human nature. Um, This is why the American system of government works, is that it gets human nature right. But you're Uh, not trying to remove facts. I mean, like, memorizing facts was just something that I remember doing in high school. Now, ask me if I remember any of those facts, but I want to see how do we get to the point where we can integrate this because it sounds very niche specific, even though it shouldn't be. Mm, The classics, it, it should be kind of everywhere. But how do we get that in what we currently have? Because I can tell you, just looking at the public yeah. school system right now, they wouldn't even know what you're talking about. Parents want it. You know, parents absolutely want it. Uh, When parents are presented with classical education versus modern progressive secular education, they want classical education. They want something that's timeless. And honestly, Father, the only argument I ever hear against classical education is that it's elitist or that it's, you know, too elite, right? Is it expensive? Uh, That's right, yeah. Certainly doesn't have to be. And there's so many now classical charters and, and free options that are exploding. And I think this is why Catholics really need to support the school choice movement as well. And, you know, it's not just giving students an option to be in a great Catholic school, uh, but also maybe a classical charter as well that, that's teaching um, substance, something with more substance than they're getting in the mainstream arena. And, and if someone takes classic education, what does that look like practically? Are they still going to do math? Are they still going to do computer science? Or, or, I mean, are they going to learn English? Tell, tell me about the curriculum of a classic education. Yeah, so it's been interesting, you know, as a dad, I've got five kiddos. We just came out of retirement with our fifth. And uh, Wow, congratulations. Yeah, you, know, you take the maybe what some people would say is the least practical discipline, learning Latin right? And so if you're a utilitarian when it comes to education, it's like, why do we learn Latin? But one of this really weird thing starts to happen when students start to learn Latin at a young age is it shapes and organizes their thinking. They become uh, more attuned to details. Oh, they for sure. Listeners. They become more intuitive, you know? It shapes them profoundly in other areas as well. And this is, again, this view of education that it's not just about a stepping stone or using education to go to college or get a job, but the fact that it's supposed to shape you to be the person God made you, created you to be. And that's what I've seen with classical education in a way that I never experienced it with, you know, what we were getting in kind of the mainstream public school arena. Now, I'm going to just ask you two quick questions here. Well, they're not quick. You keep talking about Catholics. I mean, do we run the market on this? And secondly, how did you even get into this in the first place? I mean, most teachers are women. Again, another very biased stereotype, but that's just the reality. And you're kind of like a a principle of classical education. This is such an important point to clarify. I actually don't believe there is any difference between authentic Catholic education and classical education. Okay. This is the tradition of the church. Uh, the church, it was the monks in the Middle Ages and, you know, who were passing down uh, 
you know, Plato and Aristotle and the wisdom that came before them from the pagan classics. Mm -hmm. uh, so this has been very much the tradition that has been formative in the life of the church for 2000 years. And it was Catholic education really until we started to be influenced by, I think, the public school system by trying to kind of be like uh, public schools uh, too often. Well, no, how, you got to explain that because that's kind of sounding weird because I always thought that public schools are trying to be more like Catholics. They have uniforms now, you know? I mean, at one point, at, maybe in the area of, I don't know, being able to compete in sports, but yeah. tell me, what do you mean by that? Because I agree with you. Yeah, I well, I, I appreciate that. And I, I hate to be the one who's, you know, I've been to a number of very, very well-funded, big Catholic schools and they've got professional turf. They've got a workout facility that college teams would dream to have. They don't have a chapel. They're doing mass in the gym. And they only do that once a month anyway. And so I think that's where I look at Catholic schools. I'm like, you know what? You can't just have a statue of Mary and mass once a month. Um, and everything else is basically the same. You know, maybe, maybe they have one religion class. I think really you've got to make the mass the heart and soul uh, of a school for it to be, and everything else flows out of that, uh, for it to be authentically Catholic. So you're sounding like, again, uh, you sound like you work for the diocese. Well, I hope you work for a diocese, but I know you don't. But you sound just like a Catholic school teacher advocating for classic Catholic education. Yeah. But you're not. I mean, have you always been Catholic? Tell me a little bit about how you got into this. Yeah, you know, CLT itself is not, is not Catholic. I think if you look at our author bank, we certainly love the Catholic intellectual tradition. There are many on there who are not part of the Catholic intellectual tradition. But no, I, I, was, a, uh, reform, I was on my way to becoming a Reformed Protestant Presbyterian pastor. Okay. Uh, and in the process, I, somebody gave me a Chesterton book um, and it rocked my world. I read Orthodoxy for the first time. And at the time I was like a diehard Calvinist and he kept taking shots at Calvinism, but I was loving the book so much. <laughs> what do I do with this? You know, you, uh, yeah. Chesterton opened up a whole new world for me. Uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, I just real yeah. quick, I, I read Orthodoxy, my gosh, many, many years ago. And I just remember thinking, why am I reading this paragraph for the fifth time and not fully understanding it, but loving every second of it? It's a yeah. very weird thing. Can you maybe explain a little bit of that to me? What exactly was your encounter with, with say, classic literature for the first time? How old were you? And, and, and what happened after that? You know, I, I did not know. So in American education, there's actually this whole phenomenon going um, the people call the classical renewal movement. So it exists in the charter world and the homeschool world and the Catholic school world. But, but classical education is really, really on the rise. I actually didn't really know hardly anything about it. I was in a public school uh, working and I, I was going through seminary at the same time. And when I was in seminary at a Protestant seminary, that was where I first saw, wow, every other generation thought education was something really different than what we think it is. In fact, they would often call it formation for that reason, as they were actually in the business of forming souls, forming people to be fully human. Um, and, and I was saying, well, what we're doing now, the goal is not this kind of formation. It's not a vision of the human person to be flourishing. It's a vision for somebody to be employable and to get into a good college. And so there was this, it became entirely utilitarian. So that was really how I became aware that, wow, education was really, really different in the past. Okay. And so it, you got started doing just, you said, hey, I'm going to create 
is it CLT or CLI? I'm, I'm yeah, so CLI, Classic Learning Initiatives, is kind of the parent company. So we do a lot of things. We kind of we're most we're most well known for what's called the Classic Learning Test, which is mm -hmm. then a competitor to the SAT and ACT. And CLT is then Classic Learning Test. Yeah, so we've got the, a the testing part. Got it. The testing part. Yep. Yeah. So we've okay. got a competitor to the PSAT and the SAT, and we got about 200 colleges now that accept it as an alternative. And what does that look like? Get great schools. You know, I think schools like Thomas Aquinas in California or Benedictine, Hillsdale, University of Dallas, they look at CLT and they say, well, this is actually reflective of the kind of coursework we do here freshman year. Um, you know, they're, it's interesting. You, know, you think about the situation of the colleges, they've had to rely on college entrance exams that are completely divorced from what they care about as an institution. They've had to rely on these exams for generations. And so CLT is coming in and saying, we love what you're doing, Benedictine. We love what you're doing, Thomas Aquinas College. We want you to have a college entrance exam that actually reflects what students are going to see freshman year. And that, that's really what CLT is. So, and what do you do in that whole gamut of things? Are you creating, I don't know, lesson plans? <laughs> I mean, are you just recommending books to read? I, I want to hear yeah. more about your initiatives. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the main thing is, is testing itself. And so, you know, as an SET, ACD competitor, what we try to do, and we say this internally all the time, is we want to be uh, the Chick-fil-A of standardized testing. We want to give students a better experience uh, of testing. And so it's a shorter test. They get the results back very quickly. Um, and then we also work with colleges as well um, for, for, you know, marketing, connecting with great students uh, that we work with. And so what would some of the questions be like? I mean, again, I'm just kind of reflecting on the SATs as I yeah. remember it from many, many years ago. So in terms of like? mechanics, it's actually pretty similar to an SAT. And the reason is that it has to equate. And so a 120 on the SAT equals a 1600, a 108, maybe it equals a 1480. So there, it equates, and you can see this on our concordance chart. The big difference though is that instead of reading you know, Bernie Sanders, as they had on the SAT last summer, or some other, you know, some other passage, uh, you may be reading Thomas Aquinas, or you may be reading something from C.S. Lewis, or Tolkien, or some other giant uh, in the Western intellectual tradition. And what we always say is we want to put students in front of thinkers that are worthy of their time and attention. So I would agree. Bernie Sanders is very contemporary. I don't think that he is the most coherent thinker out there. Why is he so popular for SAT and yeah, it, Aquinas is not? College board, there is no doubt. And I, I think, Father, I'm so glad to be on the show because I, I really want to raise awareness to this. I mean, college board in many ways controls American education. And this is not a neutral group. I, at times, they're pretty aggressively secular. Um, you look at, I think, an anti-American bias in AP US and AP world history uh, this has been there for a long time. In fact, the National Association of Scholars just broke a huge article about college board's relationship with the Communist Party of China. And the way they, yeah, the way they co-wrote um, the, some of the curriculum for both for AP World History and for uh, AP, um, a, an AP Chinese course. Um, so college board uh, is, is an organization people need to start waking up to. And this sounds actually kind of frightening. It sounds almost deceptive to the point, at least from a Catholic priest, demonic, because as soon as you destroy somebody's critical thinking skills, if you destroy their ability to think for themselves and to think bigger than this moment, it really just makes us dumb and not able to make good choices in the future. 
which I'm seeing all over the place. Oh, it, it's wild. And the, the fact that most people haven't even heard of College Board, they don't even know what, what is that. It's the group that really does control most of American education. I mean, teachers teach to the test and what's on the PSAT, the SAT, which are now aligned with the Common Core Standards, uh, the AP courses. This is the, the substance of mainstream American education. So instead of simply just sending your kids to college, what practical steps are you going to let parents know? Because honestly, if I was a parent, I'd be scared to death to send my kids to school. I yeah. am. I mean, I, I'm afraid for parents right now. You know, and, and Father, I know you have many, many faithful Catholic families who, who watch your program. Um, I think we've got to stop sending our kids, honestly, to, to universities that are hostile. I mean, really hostile often to people of faith. Uh, I think there are even great public institutions. Christopher Newport is one I can think of right away um, that are, are public universities, but they absolutely have a welcoming uh, environment for conservatives, for people of faith, but some are absolutely hostile. And I think we need to quit sending our students. Our, our Do kids. you have a, a kind of like a Newman guide, you know, or a classic guide for where parents can send their kids? And then of course, I want to just jump in real quick with homeschooling. So yeah, yeah. What do you, what I'd be happy to throw out five or 10 of my favorite colleges. You know, I'm a big Hillsdale fan. I love Benedictine University of Dallas. Christendom is a great option. Um, there's, you know, if you're looking even for a tiny liberal arts school, even Magdalene or Thomas, uh, Thomas More College in New England, those are great options. Um, so they're really, really good options out there uh, for sure. But I, I think um, even some of the Catholic, the, the colleges that are, you know, have Catholic names behind them. I, I do think there's a lot of great um, a lot of great people at Notre Dame. I don't buy into that, that Notre Dame is somehow a lost cause or something. Um, but a lot of Catholic institutions, they're, they're, not, they're not very Catholic anymore, and parents need to pay attention to that. And you have got a lot of parents sending their kids to public school because either they can't afford Catholic school or they're just in a good county where the education is good. Now, how do they, yeah. the parents, as the primary educators of their kids, make sure that they have some sort of experience of classical education. Yeah, you know, it's actually amazing the way COVID has kind of just completely disrupted education. I think even forcing people to kind of go back and think what even is education? Why do we do all this stuff? It's also put parents in the classroom with their students as they're Zooming and, and hearing some things that they didn't think that their kid was hearing in school. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think we're in a different chapter of American public education. I, I think 20 or 30 years ago, you could send your kids to a, a lot of public schools and, uh, and there wasn't a lot to worry about because of the way, especially the public school system has encroached so much into teaching things about human sexuality. Parents seem to be really, really involved in telling their students, this is, this is not what we believe as Catholics um, and, and being um, preemptive and having those conversations first. And now you were... Uh, Luther, excuse me, you are a Calvin, studying to be a Calvinist minister or a Presbyterian, yeah, Presbyterian yeah. minister, okay, yep. and now you're Catholic because you sound pretty stinking Catholic to me. Yeah, I, I love the Catholic Church. Um, you know, my, my day job is running, running CLT as a company. We've got about 20 full-time employees. We've actually got people who are all, you know, Christians and non-Christians, um, but I, I do want to see Catholic schools, be, you know, Catholic Catholicism uh, in America um, take its position again as, as champions of the very best kind of education. I mean, that, that's the history of Catholicism in America. We ran the best schools. And um, I, I think we need to reclaim that. I think we've lost some ground. And real quick, when did you become Catholic then? I mean, was it Chesterton or, or are you yeah, not even? I, Catholicism rocked my world. I mean, I, I, uh, I never, ever thought I would have gone to seminary and left and graduated Catholic.
Um, but you get deep into church history. Um, you know, you, that was my experience. Uh, I got deep into church history and thought, man, these, these people don't seem very Protestant. Um, they seem very into Mary. They seem very into the Eucharist. Um, yeah. So I, I, I was confirmed actually in February, 2010. There's a massive blizzard. And so it was really education that kind of converted you to Catholicism. It was a huge part of it. I mean, Chesterton's own thought, I mean, if there's one person, it was Chesterton, you know, Chesterton has this great quote about education where he says that education is simply the soul of a society as it is passed down from one generation to the next. It took me years to process even what he was getting. And when it finally clicked, I was like, that's, he's talking about something entirely different than what we're doing in mainstream education in 2020. So now what happens for CLI and CLT in the next, I don't know, in the next iteration of your company? Yeah, it's been funny. I mean, COVID, I always hate to say COVID has been good for business. That You never want to say we, we benefited from a pandemic because uh, that's pretty terrible. But, you know, when COVID happened, we had to go fully remote proctored. Um, we actually had this developing because we have students in Alaska and the Dakotas and they were driving three or four hours for then an online test. And so we thought, man, we can do better than this. We can do remote proctoring with, with video. So students now, they take the CLT from their house. Uh, it's remotely proctored, which for some parents, that's kind of weird. They have to accept the camera and, and then proctors go back and review these all actually after they take the test. But that has given us, I mean, we, we had an 800% jump in students just between February and April. And so that was the time when CLT was blowing up. I was also starting to, to kind of get a voice on Twitter as well, because suddenly CLT became kind of this thing people knew about. Because really, SAT and ACT were sidelined for business. Students couldn't take them, and CLT was kind of the only game in town. And that was really cool. You know, we had students who had never read maybe C.S. Lewis or some of these ideas, and they're taking the CLT, and suddenly they're reading about what we think are the most important ideas. Wow, that's really beautiful. So as far as the work that you do, how do people find out about it? Because I'm sure that there will be some people who be like, I've never even heard of this stuff before. And I'm a little intimidated, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you hear classic and you think of snobby, you think of elite, you think of bourgeoisie, but yeah, yeah. it's not. It's just who we are supposed to be. Classy yeah. people, classic yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. I always say classical education, formerly known as just education, because that's all education was until the 20th century. Um, so yeah, cltexam.com uh, is the website. If you YouTube the classic learning test, we've got a great video to watch if you YouTube it. Um, and then other great sources, if you Google CLT in the Wall Street Journal and a great article that'll come up there as well. And last question, we don't know each other. We might be experiencing each other just from Twitter and from social media. I mean, you only live about 25 miles away from me ultimately, but I've, we've never met. I'm a Catholic priest. What can I do to help you, Jeremy Tate? Yes. Well, we, Father, we want to have you over for dinner. I think that's what <laughs> well, we yeah. Is that really helping you? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that you can feed your children well, but, but just in the work that I do, like, how can I help you? You know, um, how can I help you? How, yeah. how can I, as a, as a priest, help you to be the person you want to be? Yeah, yeah. I think in one way, Father, you've, you've already done that. I, I think I actually think it's important that we have um, faithful priests uh, and, and, and nuns on even social media platforms. Um, 
And it's been really honest. I, I'm really encouraged by the content that you put out. Uh, I'm always thrilled when I get a, a retweet from Father Leo. That's always exciting. Um, so I, I appreciate your boldness in bring, being there. And then, yeah, just continued prayers. You know, CLT is really trying to take on uh, the education establishment. We're trying to go toe-to-toe with a giant. Um, you know, it's, I think that's yes. why I love the CLT story as it's like, who are you, who are y'all to go up against the college board? But that's what we're trying to do. And it's really, we've, we've been able to bring so many people into really what I think is a movement now because they believe in this vision for education. I love it. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Jeremy Wayne Tate of CLT and obviously CLI. And what you want to do is look him up. And when we return, I'm going to give you my carryout order. What did I learn from this conversation? Well, I learned a lot of things. And namely, that we need to get back to classical education. But we're going to be back in just a moment with my carryout order here on Shoot the Shiitake. Welcome back to Shoot the Shiitake with me, Father Leo, for my carryout order after having a deep dish discussion with Jeremy Wayne Tate of the Classical Learning Institute, as well as the Classical Learning Test, because that testing with the SATs, it might make kids smart or they might kind of memorize facts, but that doesn't necessarily make them good students. I want you to think about this. You could know the definition of kindness, but if you don't have formation, you have information about kindness, but you don't know how to be kind. And that's what a classical education does because it's all based on virtue. What is good, what is true, what is noble. And that's not what's happening in today's modern world. And if you just take a look at some of these people who graduated with these particular studies of just pop culture scenarios and isms, (laughs) these people who are fighting for justice are not fighting in a just way. These people who are fighting for equality are treating people completely inequally. And so what we've got to do is make sure parents, this is a carry out order for you, that you are taking the time to really get involved in your child's education and making sure they're not just learning facts and getting a good grade, but they're ultimately also becoming a good person. Because which would you rather have, a successful, really rich person in your life who's just a jerk or someone who has really found their passion and they're just good people? And maybe they might not be the most rich and successful, but they're making this world a better place because of who they are and not just what they know. Another thing that I carried out from this discussion is uh, that studying Catholic stuff makes you Catholic. I mean, think about how Jeremy was a Calvinist minister to be. He was going to be ordained as a, as, as, as a Reformed Presbyterian, I think. And then he became Catholic just because he was reading something like G.K. Chesterton, who I'd recommend that you get to know. He's pretty awesome. He's smart, and he just makes a whole lot of sense. But for us, you know, who are probably already Catholic or still learning, making sure you're filling your mind up with good things, it will ultimately lead you to God. And God will ultimately lead you to the one true church that has at its foundation the classics. So I say keep it classy, ladies and gentlemen, and I hope that you enjoyed my discussion. Again, special thanks to Jeremy Wayne Tate from the Classical Learning Institute, CLA, as well as the testing. Learn more about him and 
Do what you can to support the work we do. If you enjoyed this, tell a friend. Tell other people about the show. You can always get all of this information at uh, platinggrace.com. But if you want to support us, just become part of the Academy where with just a few dollars every month, you can support the work that we do. We bring about conversions through conversations and you become part of a unique online conference where you can get access to some premium content and some special perks. So learn more about that at platinggrace.com and stick around for more Shoot the Shiitake. But between now and the next time we do, stay hungry for God. Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com.